But there's one good thing that happens when you toss your pearls to swine. Their attitudes may taste like shit, but go real good with wine. Welcome, everyone, to Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Mercer, joined as always by Scott Haskin. And Scott, knock, knock. Who's there, Corey? Madame. Madame who? Madame Foot's caught in the door. <laughs> eh, that's part of my failed comedy routine. We, we, we got a comment uh, last week, Scott, that... Uh, a, a very bad review of our show. And one of the comments was, you know, the idea of the podcast is, is good, but the, the hosts are just auditioning their failed comedy routines. And I didn't even know I was doing that. So I, th- I thought I would actually try some material here tonight, and I, I don't think it landed. I, I was hoping that if you're going to do a knock-knock joke, you were going to go for the interrupting cow, because that's my favorite <laughs> knock-knock joke. Um, my kids do. My kids do. They love that it, one. So I have the mentality of your kids. That explains why my jokes don't do well. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't try to be funny. I just say whatever pops into my head. And since I have no responsibility for my brain, uh, not my problem. No, we're just, we're, we're just conversing. This is how Scott and I, we were talking about like this, uh, before I hit record, uh, here yeah. tonight, folks. So, uh, if you're not a fan of myself or Scott, uh, by all means, uh, feel free to fuck off because that, that's all fine. You know, if you come across the show and you don't like it for whatever reason, uh, you can just move on with your day. Uh, I know I, I do that all the time. I'll, I'll listen to a show. I'm like, oh, this really isn't my cup of tea, or I'm not a fan of this aspect or that. I'm not going to tell them because why would I do that? Because these people are just trying to have some fun. Uh, they're doing it for free. Uh, why go out of my way to ruin somebody else's day? Uh, I'm just going to move on with my life. And here's just a friendly reminder. If you come across this show, you can do the same. You know, it's uh, if you equate it to the old days of when we just had radio, we would say things like, you can just tune the dial to something else. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, no one's requiring you to uh, listen to anything that you don't like unless you're doing this for a homework assignment. And if you are, what the hell school are you going to? It's it's really just one of those things where we're in a, a period where people just enjoy complaining. And they feel that they need to get their voice out there. I'll, I'll just tie this in really quick to what we did. What was it two weeks ago when we did the live Van Halen thing now? Yes. Yep. Two weeks. And uh, I, I, I was basically invited to be a part of that show, not being a fan of Van Halen, but because I would represent a very different opinion. And my opinion was pretty much the opposite of everyone else. Uh, <laughs> I voted the, the song that, that everyone else liked the least. I voted the best. And, um, you know, heard a little bit about that. But I, I don't understand this, uh, this thing where people just, if, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong and you're stupid and, you know, how dare you think different than I do. So I got on uh, chat GTP or GPT earlier today and I asked the question, you know, why, basically, why are people like this? And, uh, and it did come back with some interesting answers. Um, it, it said that basically people are, you know, their, their musical tastes are a reflection of their identity. And I don't disagree with that, but at the same point, what you like and who you are are not exactly the same thing. They, you could like gangster rap, but that doesn't mean you've gone out and, you know, robbed banks or beat people or whatever, you know? So I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, it also said music is emotional which is true, it becomes very personal. 
and it's a form of self-expression. And I agree with those things. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, let me take this one step further. Why can't people understand that artistic tastes are formed by each person's experience and have nothing to do with theirs? And the chat came back with something a little interesting. It said, people tend to think that their own experiences are universal. And I thought, bam, that's it right there. So it's not that we're questioning their musical tastes. It's we're questioning everything they think has happened to them, which is just ridiculous. So I said, how can I explain this to someone yelling at me for not liking their selections as much as they do? And it gave me a little, uh, a little sample conversation I'll, I'll close this with. Uh, and and it, it identifies them as Yeller and, <laughs> and me as you. So Yeller, how can you not like this artist? They're amazing. You, uh, I can see that you're really passionate about this artist and I respect your opinion. However, their music isn't my cup of tea. Everyone has different tastes and that's okay. Yeller, but they're the best artist ever. <laughs> you. I understand that you feel that way, but I don't agree. I think there are many great artists out there. It's all a matter of personal taste. Yeller, you're wrong. The, this <laughs> artist is the best. <laughs> you, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm going to walk away now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what it comes down to. I mean, I've been told everything from I have no business doing a podcast to I don't know anything about music to uh, I'm a waste of a human being to I mean, oh, just wow. every possible thing that that well, not every possible thing, but a, a good amount of things you could hear. And, you know, it just it just comes down to what I've always said. If you don't like what you're listening to, stop listening to it. There's so much out there. I, I, I agree. And, and my only uh, addendum to that was, uh, you know, find something that, that you do like, please. Yeah. Uh, we have tons of shows on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. I'm sure you're going to come across somebody in some band that, that you really, really feel passionately about. But uh, don't share the negativity. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 you're not a paid critic. Uh, you know, like like for a movie, who's who's getting paid to tell people this is why this is good, this is why this is bad. If you don't like it, just just move on, and and you'll feel a lot better about yourself. And you know, the people who are doing that show will feel a heck of a lot better about themselves too. Instead of beating their head against the wall saying, "Why the fuck do I do this?" Just yeah. just for all the negativity, and you know, it's all the positivity too that 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 kind of makes it worthwhile. Uh, but yeah, if. If you're not a fan of what you're hearing right now, then then fare thee well. And, and I really, really hope you find something you do like, because there's a ton of great stuff out there. Yes. And I hope that isn't like a, you know, combine that you fall into. I hope it's more something like, you know, a field of daisies. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just, I'm not spreading negativity uh, anymore. And yeah. uh, a lot of times, especially on these shows, if I'm spreading negativity, it's for it's attempted comedic effect uh like like why why i dislike something i know we we got a stretch we we're getting some comments like oh you guys are way too negative way too negative and it's like yeah but uh, i didn't enjoy the song uh and i'm trying to i'm over exaggerating for a comedic effect and i think scott you had that experience on the van halen show when you put everybody's least favorite track number one everyone's like oh you're a bum what the hell they were doing it just to bust your balls they weren't doing it seriously yeah. like you're not allowed to have that opinion of course you are we, we all just thought it was kind of cool that and that's why I wanted you on that show, because I knew you would pick the very last song first. <laughs> yeah, I've become a little predictable because you've gotten to know my taste a little bit. Uh, yeah. And, and if it's if it's friendly banter back and forth, it's, that's like a locker room humor. You know, it, it, that's kind of what I would have expected on the show. 
it, it's more the things that people say online or, or after that where they really do kind of get aggressive. I think the thing for me is whether I'm positive or negative about a song or maybe just get sick and tired of the fact that Aerosmith was on drugs so much and ruined so many good songs. Like I'll get frustrated with that um, because it's a disservice to the, to the fans and it's a disservice to themselves. But if I ever get to the point where I feel like I can't be honest in my thoughts or expressing my thoughts because I'm worried about what people are going to think, I would just stop doing the show. Fair enough. Very well said. Uh, speaking of negativity, let's move on uh, from this topic uh, to Aerosmith and their Peace Out Tour. Uh, they did the very first show on uh, the Peace Out Tour on Saturday night. Uh, by all accounts, uh, it was amazing. Uh, I got a look at some of the uh, the pictures and videos of the stage show and the production. They really went all out. Like yeah. uh, Apparently, uh, they brought a lot of elements from their Vegas show, which I didn't get to see, of course. Uh, but uh, just the, the big stage with the big, they have a, instead of a, like, like a, a thrust or a catwalk, they have a giant A so that Joe and Stephen can both go out on either side of the A, which is really cool. They have uh, diagonal screens kind of forming an A. They got the big wings in the background. It just looks phenomenal. Uh, I got very, very jealous. And then they they uh, talked about the uh, set list. Uh, Scott, I thought we would go through the set list here tonight, and I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts mm -hmm. on what they played on night one. Now, I'm assuming some of these are going to be swing spots, and they're going to be swapping out uh, some tunes, especially like spot number five here. Uh, and and I'm, I'm really hoping spot 12. But let, let's let's go through the set list. First of all, they, they kick things off with Back in the Saddle, which is maybe one of the greatest rock openers of all time. Like when I saw Aerosmith and Minot, they, they kicked off with Back in the Saddle. And just a perfect concert opener. It's fantastic. Then they go to Love in an Elevator, which is a great transition. Again, they did that in Minot. Into Crying, uh, one of their biggest hits from Get a Grip. Then Janie's Got a Gun. Then they played Adam's Apple from Toys yeah. in the Attic. First time they played that in five years. Everyone's like, fucking A, Adam's Apple. I thought that was really cool. Well, and, and you think we're getting what we've been talking about. We hope that they're going to throw in some random things that they haven't been doing and some excitement into the set. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Living on the Edge, which, you know, is maybe getting a little tired uh, off of Get a Grip. No More No More, another great track. They've been playing a lot lately. Uh, lately, I see like the last 10, 15 years, maybe it's found its way to more set lists. So that's always uh, a great one. Uh, Ragdoll and Hangman Jury, they kind of do a permanent vacation too for their Hangman Jury. Uh, always welcome in the set list as far as i'm concerned ragdoll oh, yeah. i'm not the biggest fan of it's one of my least favorite on permanent vacation so that one could go for my taste but what do you think about like you love permanent vacation uh you got ragdoll and hangman jury coming in eight and nine well i think they should just do two sets i think they should do permanent vacation and then a mix of all of their other songs like some bands have done you know with their their <laughs> bigger hit albums uh, no, I, I, the songs that they picked are fantastic. I mean, Hangman Jury, you got it. How could you not be excited to hear that on stage? I think mm -hmm. Ragdoll is one of those songs that they kind of are pigeonholed, that they, they pretty much have to play, otherwise they'll get things thrown at them. But at the same point, I think that might be a good break for Steven Tyler, too, because he doesn't really have to force vocals a lot on that song. That might be kind of a rest period for him. Could be. Um, I, I would like to see almost anything else from permanent vacation in that spot where's yeah. dude looks like a lady yeah. Th that was like the biggest hit uh off that uh angel uh was a huge mm -hmm. hit off permanent vacation you know give us a hard stun time or a samurai which we just covered uh you know with kevin brown there not that long ago uh the, you know, so many different tracks uh, that you can pull out instead of ragdoll i think everybody's a little sick of ragdoll i know they they got to play the hits right but ragdoll wasn't the biggest hit 
It wasn't even the biggest hit off that album. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think you could maybe swap that one out. Uh, number 10, you got Seasons of Weather, a big concert staple for the band. Got to do that one. Number 11, Moving Out. This is the song we took off the mixtape. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very first song Steve and Joe ever wrote together. They're still playing it. And uh, it kills life. Like, it is fantastic. I'd, I'd love to hear Moving Out. Uh, number 12, Here's where we get my issue, and I'm going to test my, uh, I'm going to try not to be so negative theory, we're off the hop, but it's stop messing around again for the nine millionth time. Like, they, they play this all the fucking time, and I just, Joe, please, please, anything but, anything but. Sing happy birthday for three minutes. I don't care. Anything but stop messing. We've heard this for like 30 years now. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sick of it. It's, it's one of those things where... Uh, you can't tell an artist they can't do something. You can say, can't, you know, you've only got so much time on set. Look at the reactions you're getting from song to song and see if they're, you know, this is your last tour together. Let's make it fun and exciting. Let's do different things instead of that over again. Scott Haskin, I just looked it up. <laughs> How many times do you think Aerosmith have performed Stop Messing Around in their career? I'm going to go with 743. What? Are you kidding? You're like, you got setlist.fm up, don't you? I do not. 761. No way. Yes. Okay, first of all, that's ridiculous. I had no idea. That was really just a guess. That number popped in. That's how I always play this game is I, I, I don't have any reference point. So I, I just have to go with whatever number pops in my head. But uh, I almost would have won both showcases. Oh, you would have, yeah. Uh, they started playing it in 93 and just have not stopped. Wow. And there's so many great Joe songs. Everybody, uh, I was you know, in uh, Aerosmith uh, uh, chats. Everyone's, you know, Bright Light Fright. Play Bright Light Fright. Everyone would love that. Great fucking tune, right? From Draw the mm-hmm. Lines. Like, such a great, great, great song. And it's a Joe song. Uh, I, I think I pitched it last week. You know, you could even go with Walk On Down from Get a Grip, which is a Joe mm-hmm. song. The, you know, do a Joe track from Honkin' On Bobo. Why? Yeah. Which I guess this technically is Stop Messing Around is a Fleetwood Mac song. But how about a different one <laughs> from Honkin' yeah. On Bobo? Right. Just anything. Something else, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this is the last one, guys. Well, I don't know. Now there's rumors that, that this isn't really the full tour list, that they're looking at maybe doing more dates. And I think we talked about that a little bit last week. So I don't know if this is going to turn into one of those, you know, two-year goodbyes or not. But, um, God, do something else. It, it's got to be boring for them. <laughs> Except Joe. Uh, he, Except Joe, he love, yeah. loves his Fleetwood Mac, yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's move on from stop messing. Yeah. Uh, 13, Rats in the Cellar. I love Rats in the Cellar. Good, I'm glad it's choice. in the set list. Yeah. Uh, 14, yeah, I got to do this one every show. I don't want to miss a thing. I know uh, diehard fans hate it. Uh, they refer to it as I don't want to lick your thing. Um, and, and actually, uh, t- this week, as we're recording this, is the 25th anniversary of the release of I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, Aerosmith's yeah. only number one song. But you, you got to do it. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to fault the band for that one. That's their only number one hit. Was that written for Armageddon or just licensed? Uh, written for, like, it was Diane Warren who actually wrote it. Aerosmith mm-hmm. just performed it. Right. Um, so I imagine she just had it in a stockpile of generic ballads. And when the producers of Armageddon said, hey, Diane, we need a song, she just rifled through the, the filing cabinet and pulled out that one mm-hmm. and uh, threw it at Aerosmith. And they said, sure, we like money. 
and yeah. it, it became their biggest <laughs> hit. So, and you, and you can't fault them. I, I don't fault them at all for recording yeah. that song. And nope. I heard them play it live, and you know they did their best with it. So good job, boys. Yeah. Uh, now we're getting into the ball. They only did eighteen songs, which is you know what they do nowadays. You know, long gone are the days of twenty four or twenty five, or yeah. even Paul McCartney doing thirty two, thirty three songs. They're doing eighteen. Uh, Fifteen was Sweet Emotion, then Toys in the Attic, Dream On, and Walk This Way rounded out the set. So uh, all in all, I think a, a pretty damn good show couple of tracks i'd like to see maybe move out no and, pun intended and hopefully they'll they'll morph these a little bit as as they go on but um is uh so is walk this way is that an encore or is that a final or oh, it doesn't say no i i think toys uh kind of ends the set and then dream on and walk this way are the two uh encore songs okay i like that picture of steven tight looks like he's on fire um <laughs> The, the one thing that I would question more, not in the way of doing it, but just the order of things is putting crying number three. Um, is that bringing things down a little bit too early, maybe? Well, that, that's not really a ballad. It's a song about a blowjob. Well, no, and, but it's, uh, it's the, the tempo and the feel of it is is more like, you know, swaying back and forth, holding the lighter up in the air kind of feel to it. Um, coming off of the first two, I don't know, that just seems a little early to bring it down. Uh, potentially i it's not that uh down tempo for me so uh i i don't have an issue with being number three remember kids have that dun 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 yeah yeah it's it's definitely not a ballad uh i think yeah yeah uh where they put uh genies i i think is that's the ballad slot and hopefully Mm -hmm. i love genie's got a gun it'd be nice to hear angel in there it'd be nice to hear some of the other ballads Mm -hmm. uh it would be great Uh, i'm just trying to see if i can find some some uh concert footage here uh, from at the show there, there's not, the stage if you could see it oh that yeah that's gorgeous isn't at that gorgeous all hits though you know all like commercially successful songs and mm-hmm. you know it, because they could have done that oh absolutely like the band looks great i'm looking at just mm-hmm. some of the pictures here yeah nobody's propping them up on a stick yet they, they, they got a long way <laughs> yeah, to go. They got a ways they're, to they're go. going into January, remember? <laughs> and and like we mentioned last week, this is probably just leg one. I imagine they're going to yeah. do a, a European tour, uh, probably spring 2024. It, it even and then uh, spring 2024, and then they might come back and do uh, some secondary North American markets. And like we said, they got to finish off in Boston, right? I mean, that that's just yeah. an absolute given. So yeah, I don't know uh, how you don't do that. And I I, I think they will. I, I think that was the, these are just the first forty. Yeah, but All they're, right. they're marketing it very well, though, because if this is and, and it still could be, even if they come back and do another American leg, they won't necessarily visit these cities again. Right. So even if they do extend it, I would say if you have the chance to go and you want to see them, grab a ticket before you can't. Yeah, and they're getting a lot of great press uh, uh, from the tour and from their new uh, greatest hits, uh, which uh, finished uh, number one on the Billboard uh, Hard Rock charts, if I remember no. correctly. So, Okay, then I got to eat some crow because I predicted that it wasn't going to do anything, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm baffled that it is. Now, number one on the Hard Rock charts, I don't think is, is huge numbers. I think on the Billboard 200, it was in the 23, 24 range, somewhere in there. So Yeah, but for a best of, that's still... That's know, pretty well, good. Not, not just for a best of, but for a best of after you've had 18 other best of albums already out. That's impressive. Um, vinyl isn't cheap. And for people to be spending that money on another collection, I'm really surprised. I, I apologize to the record company. I thought that was a big waste of money, but... Um, and I could admit when I'm wrong. Yeah, people are out there buying it. 
Well, wait till the next version, um, which is actually going to have a drop of Steven Tyler's blood in the in the marble. And <laughs> they're going to be numbered and uh, there's only going to be like 10,000 of them. So uh, get get some of Steven Tyler's DNA while you can. Well, it says Aerosmith moved uh, 19,000 album units, uh, 10,000 of which were from album sales to land at number one on the hard rock chart. Uh, it landed number four on the top rock albums chart seven on the top rock and alternative album charts and 36 on the billboard 200. I wonder what the breakdown of that is like vinyl versus CD. Um, I would imagine uh, that and digital are probably the only formats. Cause I would, I would imagine they aren't doing the novelty cassette thing. I don't think so. I haven't heard anyway, but uh, usually those numbers come out uh, later uh, and they uh, talk about uh, how many actual vinyl units were, were shipped. Uh, which, uh, yeah, I, I would be interested to see too. I imagine quite a bit because uh, that set is gorgeous. Even though you own all the music already, uh, yeah. those, those LPs look mighty darn nice. But what do you say, Scott? I think we've hammered on long enough here. Yeah. Uh, should, should we uh, roll the dice maybe and talk about talk about some Aerosmith? We've got six songs on the dice right now. And well, they I'm, are. I'm, I don't mean to interrupt Sorry. you, Corey, but I'm going to, because I am super excited because I don't know a single song on this dice. So everything to me is going to be, whatever we pick, it's going to be a first time here. Perfect. And I was thinking the other day too, we don't have any uh, singles uh, on the dice right now. They're all like uh, deeper cuts. So uh, if we roll one of mine, I'm, I'm going to go to the well and I'm going to pick one of the singles because uh, we, we got uh, to get some of these big guys off the board here. But uh, currently on the dice, we have uh, Think About It from Night in the Ruts, Never Loved a Girl from Honkin' on Bobo, We All Fall Down from Music from Another Dimension, Out of Your Head from Just Push Play, Love Me Two Times, The Doors Cover, and Something from music from another dimension. Uh, out of those six, uh, Scott, what are you in the mood to listen to? I'm going to go with uh, Never Loved a Girl because I'm really curious to hear them do an Aretha Franklin song. Yes. No, that's a very, very good one. Uh, I'm looking at two songs from music from another dimension. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, We All Fall Down. Okay. Uh, I will, we'll listen to that one here tonight, and then I'm, I'm going to put a big hit, big, big hit on the dice. But what do you say? We're going to toss it over to Steve and Tyler, and we're going to find out what we got tonight. And we come up with Love Me Two Times. We're going with the Doors cover. Right. I just added this last week. Scott, your thoughts? Well, I, I have to apologize because I guess I misspoke. I know the song, obviously, from the Doors, but I've never heard the Aerosmith version of it. So I'm very curious to see what they've done with it. Uh, the rest of the songs I've never heard, but I've never heard Aerosmith do it. So it's still, I was still within the boundaries, but I do have a familiarity with the song. Okay, I'm not the biggest Doors fan, but I do have to say I, I get why they were popular. Um, they were one of those bands that like they would go on for a long period of time but I wouldn't find it interesting. You know, it was just kind yeah, you, of like long repeats of, of going nowhere to me. I, I'm in the same boat, but they do have some songs that are just so iconic mm -hmm. uh, that L.A. Woman uh, being one. Like the, yeah. that is one, if, if it comes up on, on my classic rock uh, iTunes uh, Essentials playlist, I'd never skip it because I love L.A. Woman. And, and this is actually another one, Love Me Two Times. Uh, which came from their album Moonlight Drive. No, sorry, that was the B-side. It came from the album Strange Days. Ah. Uh, a lot of people have covered Love Me Two Times. Uh, I know, uh, aside from Aerosmith, I know Joan Jett uh, did, did a version, uh, which is really kind of interesting. Uh, and uh, The Doors have, uh, 
I, I don't know too much about the doors. I know like Ray Manzarek and Robbie Krieger uh, have played in different uh, 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 bands that are kind of offshoots of the doors, like Riders on the Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think they had Ian Astorberg from the cult singing for him. Is that wow. right? Yeah. So uh, a lot of cool stuff like that. But uh, this is Aerosmith's version of uh, Lovely Two Times. Uh, it was from the movie Air America. Did you ever see that uh, that movie? I don't think so. Uh, you know what? It's not great. Uh, this is actually <laughs> one I might do in my other show, Backtrack Steam Music. I know John's a fan of it. But yeah. it stars uh, Mel Gibson and a very young Robert Downey Jr. as uh, pilots flying missions in Laos during the Vietnam War uh, for uh, what, what they called Air America. Uh and then they, they find out that their uh, plane is being used to smuggle heroin, heroin for the uh, U.S. government. And uh, it, it kind of goes from there. Uh, you know, it, it, it's all right. It's not a great uh, a great movie, but uh, this song uh, fits the soundtrack in the time period like a T because, again, they're talking about the Vietnam War. So, uh, so are the we other, talking uh, uh, like uh, uh, less than zero Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, around that time. Okay. 1990, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other thing is when uh, Aerosmith did their very famous MTV Unplugged episode, they played this song, uh, which was kind of cool because that was, uh, uh, you know, they were there to to promote Permanent Vacation. I think they played two Permanent Vacation songs, uh, one being Hangman Jury, and I think the other one was like Samurai or something. Like it was something kind of out there. wasn't any of the hits. And instead (laughs) they they played Love Me Two Times, so. Interesting choices. Yeah. Uh, What do you say? Should we get into it, Scott? Yeah, I want to hear this. All right, here we go. Uh, that snare, I'm not sure whether I like it or not. It's it's almost too bright and poppy for what I'm used to hearing from Joey Kramer. It almost sounds like this was recorded live off the floor, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I, 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 I think like some point during the pump sessions or permanent vacation sessions, they just, hey, let's just bang out, let me two times, and they just roll tape on it. Is is kind of what it feels like. I'm not sure if that's what happened, but it's what it feels like anyway. Yeah, it's, it has kind of a raw, a more raw sound to it than I'm used to hearing from them recording. So it definitely feels like it was a separate session or something was different about it. But I think that's what I'm digging about it. Like, this is just five guys playing together, playing a cool tune and then doing it justice. Like, I think they're playing the shit out of this thing. It sounds great. Oh, I agree. The performance is spectacular. I'm just not sure I'm sold on the snare sound. Um, but the rest of it sounds good. Steven sounds fantastic. Um, guitars that there's a certain twanginess to, to the way that this song is played on guitar and I think they've got it covered very well this is a, a it's it's Aerosmith but it's respectful to the doors yeah and if I want to get nitpicky you could say well Stevens maybe a little too back in the mix uh, maybe maybe a little too echoey a little too hollow uh, on you know wherever he, he was performing the vocal but uh, to me this just sounds like five guys off the floor uh, playing a kick-ass tune 
and having a lot yeah. of fun uh, doing it, uh, which is which is my kind of Aerosmith. Well, I think they're bringing some life to it that the Doors didn't have because Jim Morrison's style, for the most part, was more mellow, uh, just a low tone vocal, um, singing kind of straightforward, almost like he didn't care that he was in even in the room. Uh, which I, I don't mean as a knock on him. That was just his style. And Steven's like, hey, I'm really excited we're doing the song. It's just a whole different feel. that steven is killing it he, he's really the stand on this track for me i'm kind of hearing what you're saying about the snare now uh especially coming off uh, like the big booming drums we got like when we did the permanent vacation songs and stuff like how even on uh honking on bobo had some big drums on it right and yeah it's it, it the snare sounds a little off but again uh, to me that's just nitpicking for on my case it doesn't diminish the song for me uh i'm not a professional drummer like you are though so uh uh <laughs> We're now about halfway through the song. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's it. It's There's no low end in the drums. So the kick drum doesn't really have a lot of bottom end to it. The snare is uh, a lot poppier. And it, it, it's, it's got a big sound, but it's not pushing that bottom thickness that we're used to hearing, especially on Permanent Vacation or Honkin' on Bobo. Uh, but I, I'm loving this performance. I love the energy that Steven's got in this, um, especially going into the section right where you stopped. He's just so into it. And this is kind of like, I think what I, what I talked about uh, when we covered Hearts Done Time, like I'm not going to be upset about whatever noises he makes in this song because he's just so into it. And how can you not be? It's, it's, they've really captured a moment here. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that uh, vocal section there? It almost, he's not, but it sounds like he's almost singing it through a bullhorn. It's just kind of low and lifeless. And Yeah, it, it was a really interesting contrast to what we've gotten, um, but it wasn't it wasn't so, so shocking that it took me out of the song. I think it was just a really interesting dynamic. I think it made the song more exciting. All right. Uh, it was the first time in the song where I went, uh, okay. Really? That's okay. a choice. Yeah, just, just, just a little bit. Still digging the tune, but yeah, that was a little moment where it's like, uh, but what's going to happen is we're going to get back into that chorus. And when Steven uh, doubles his vocal on that chorus, it's such a beautiful harmony. Like, oh, it, it sounds so good. 
Well, you know, it's it's a part like this is kind of like using a talk box. It's a chance that you take. It's either something people are going to dig or they're going to hate. And it, it's it's not something that people are usually middle on the, of the road when you throw in all of a sudden some crazy change like that. Uh, for me, I thought it was cool, but I, I could see a lot of people not digging that. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned Talkbox. Uh, John and I just did uh, Kickstart My Heart on uh, Backtracks mm-hmm. theme music, and there's mm-hmm. some big Talkbox in that, and it sounds phenomenal. It's it's yeah. maybe my favorite Talkbox in any song, not named "Living on a Prayer." Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, "Living on a Prayer" started with the Talkbox. I forgot about that. Yeah. Very interesting instrument. All right, that's Love Me Two Times, the cover of a Doors song by uh, the Bad Boys from Boston. Uh, Scott Haskin, what are your final thoughts on this one? I tell you, this was actually a single uh, released back in 1990. It hit number 27 on the U.S. rock charts, which means if it's going on a mixtape, it's going on the all-time Arrow Top 9, which currently has Let the Music Do the Talking, Chip Away the Stone, The Other Side, Home Tonight, Crazy, Eat the Rich, Mama Kin, Shut Up and Dance, and Deuces Are Wild. Do you think Love Me Two Times deserves a spot on that side of the mixtape? Well, I'll say first, I really enjoyed that. And that's a song that, um, you know, I, I get really tired of hearing those those just, you know, basic blues shuffles over and over again. Uh, and Aerosmith does that style a lot, to it, it seems. Um, but I really enjoyed this. I also didn't really care for the original. It feels like it just drags on a lot. But Aerosmith put so much energy into this. I really like this. Uh, I, I thought it was really cool. Uh, I agree. What you said uh, as we were going into that last chorus uh, with, with Stephen doubling the vocal with the higher harmony, that sounded fantastic. Uh, I can't believe I didn't say it once throughout the song, but I really like the bass. Um, I don't know how much credit I can give to Aerosmith for that because I don't really remember the bass from the original, so I'll have to go back and listen to that. Uh, but yeah, I, I really dug the song, but does it belong? I'm going to say if it if it goes anywhere, I would probably take out, not because it's a soundtrack, but I would probably put that over Deuces or Wild from Beavis and Butthead. And that would be about the only one that I would be in consideration for tonight. Um, uh, that was when John was on the show. He's a big fan of Deuces Are Wild. It's and I know song. you upvoted it too. It, it's a decent song. Um, it's not my favorite uh, Aerosmith song. Um, I would be okay with taking that off the mixtape. And even though Love Me Two Times for me kind of stumbled a bit in the last third of the song, 
just vocally in, in a couple of spots. Mm-hmm. Um, it is one of my favorite door songs. And uh, the the harmony, the, the doubling Stephen does is fantastic. The band is cooking. Uh, even with the, the no low end on the on the drums, uh, I, I can get past that. That didn't that wasn't a determinant for me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would I would be okay. I, I'm certainly considering Love Me Two Times instead of Deuces Are Wild. Uh, where did Deuces Are Wild in your uh, uh, color scheme? Uh, which one was that Mauve or was that uh, Puce? <laughs> it was uh, it was a light green. Okay, and love me two times. What color would that be? Oh, dark green. All right. So, are you uh, suggesting love me two times take the place of deuces are wild? I I am throwing it out to you. You know what? I'm cool with that. I'm not a big fan of deuces are wild. Uh, to me, if I was rating it on a scale of one to ten, it'd be like a six. Um, you know, it, it's above average. It's it's not great, and it's certainly the weakest out of the nine. I think that we had uh, on the mixtape currently. So uh, there you have it. We're doing it again. We just swapped out "Deuces Are Wild" with "Love Me Two Times." What do you think? Are we out to lunch? Is "Deuces Are Wild" an all-time classic? Is "Love Me Two Times" a piece of shit? Uh, reach out. Uh, let us know. Just do it respectfully. <laughs> I I just realized too. This is the second uh, Robert Downey Jr. movie that they have done a song for because they did one for Less Than Zero. So there's they there's did, some yes. uh, some kind of connection there. You know what? Where was Aerosmith on the Oppenheimer soundtrack? That's what I want to know. <laughs> but uh, be, before we go, I just want to play a little bit of the unplugged performance of this song. If you're cool with that, because I bet you it yeah. cooks even better than the studio version. Is this uh, MTV? Yes. some bottom end now. Yeah. How good is that guitar? Oh, that's amazing. feeling steven as much on on that one as i did the studio version but i'm definitely feeling everyone else i think steven sounds great obviously you don't get him doing harmony with himself uh on the uh on the chorus so that's gonna suffer a bit but uh, acoustic this song sounds great this would have been you know you can see the love in the elevator on the uh uh, bass drum skin for joey there so uh, to me this is aerosmith at the height of their powers like they're clean and sober and they're playing the best music of their careers, I think. I'm really digging that guitar sound. Because the guitar, after the, the intro to the song, the guitar got a little bit buried in the studio version. And uh, mm-hmm. it's nice to hear that stand out a little bit here. I think the one thing that was nice about having that uh, lighter drum sound was that the bass guitar was able to shine through in the higher registers a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But apart from that, yeah, look at look at how much fun they're having playing this. I mean, oh, they're into it. Let's listen to Joe a little bit here. a guy that knows how to play like southern rock and old school blues and i mean he's so well versed in that kind of music absolutely yeah 
Good, good stuff. Go check out that entire MTV Unplugged performance, folks, if you haven't. Uh, Aerosmith was cooking that night, and, and they performed uh, fantastic, fantastic stuff. All right, uh, let's wrap this one up, my friend. Uh, let's tell the fine folks uh, where they can find our show, uh, what sort of podcast network we might be a part of, and where they can find you specifically. Well, it's just a, a hodgepodge of craziness, Corey, because not only do we have this show, you have Backtrack Steam Music with our old friend John Mariano. You also have, and the podcast will rock with Mark Kameyer, the Van Halen show. And you've also got the Ultimate Catalog Clash, which is a new show. I am absolutely digging you guys going through the Genesis catalog, you and our friend Kevin Brown. Uh, Kevin, though, you know, he didn't rest on his laurels with that show. He's got the Tom Petty Project and Seaside Pod Review with his buddy Randy. I have Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast. Outside of the Deep Dive Network, I also have a show called the Haskincast Podcast, which is slowly coming back online. Uh, as of today, I've got 100 episodes uploaded. I have 251 to go. <laughs> and then uh, new episodes will uh, will be following. Uh, also, we've got our good friends, uh, as far as I'm concerned, our flagship show, the Deep Purple Podcast, Nate and John over there. We've got the Simple Man at Skinner Reconsidered, Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side, which he's uh, been been teasing some new shows will be on the horizon. So that might be on the other, other side. Uh, we have Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Paul, Joe and David at the In the Lap of the Pods Queen Show. Andy and Matt over at Hawk Binge, Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z, Daniel and Josh at Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Aussie podcast, Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast, George and Hattie over at the Judas Priest cast, Clay and Ryan do a show called North by South podcast, Greg and Jonathan have So Far, So Pod, So What, Quinn at And Volume for All, Sav, Nick, Steve, and Mark at the Rock Roulette podcast, Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu, and our newest edition uh, as we record this, their first show dropped today. Go and check it out, folks. Chaz and Chats at the Rush Rash podcast covering every single Rush song via a song wheel, which uh, is pretty exciting. Other than that, other than the uh, Deep Dive Podcast Network, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention our friends Sean Geek at Fast Fret, Eric at Booked on Rock, Ken Knapsack at Pop Rock and Radio. You can download the app from the link on my website and also Pod of Thunder. So just go to scotthaskin.com, click on the Aerosmith podcast page, and you will see all this stuff with links right to their shows. You can just click and go enjoy. And while you're at uh, scotthaskin.com, uh, buy yourself some books. Uh, buy yourself some music. Uh, go check out his other podcast. Scott Haskett is a pretty talented fella. He's got a lot of cool stuff on the go. Uh, go seek him out. And what was the name of that Rush show? Go ahead and say, say it five times fast. And the Rush host. Rash. Rush Rash. Oh, and the host. Well, that's a challenge after I've been speaking. See, here's the thing that people don't know about me. Outside of the podcast, I actually don't speak very much. So I, I have a much weaker voice than I used to. And Corey is going to push it to the limit right now <laughs> after I've read the entire exhaustive deep dive podcast list. We have Chaz and Chats at Rush Rash, 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 and of course, our dear friends, Chaz and Chats at Rush Rash. Well done. All Make right, we got to do... <laughs> Uh, you're the only one who applied, my friend. So, yes, you Sweet. got the job. We do have to do a couple of things, though, yeah. uh, before we leave here tonight. And the first one is... Mm. 
I wonder if Aerosmith's ever performed Love Me Two Times. Uh, obviously, they just did on MTV Unplugged, so I know the answer is at least one. Uh, Scott asking, give me your best guess. How many times do you think Aerosmith performed this song? I don't think they did it much. I'm going to say 15. <laughs> Oh, you went over. It was 12. Ah, I was close. Pretty close, though. Pretty close. I would have laughed if it was just this one performance that we were just watching. (laughs) That would have been funny. No, they, uh, 11 times in 1990 and once in 2001. Now, see, they could bring this back as a spontaneous thing to do on stage on their their uh, current tour. Uh, Throwing it out there, guys. I'm sure that Aerosmith listens to this show. I, I would take uh, this song over uh, Stop Messing Around uh, any day of the week and twice on Sundays. I would I take think, any door song. I think you would take uh, Fish Heads by Barnes & Barnes from the 80s over that song at this point. You know, I would take uh, Who Done It by Genesis. No, I, I can't go that far. I can't go that far. <laughs> it, would be, it, would, it would be interesting to hear Aerosmith do a Genesis song like an Abacab or uh, something like that. I, I, I would love to hear how Stephen would, uh, would sing some Phil Collins. You know, Abacab could use some stank on it. I would love to hear an Aerosmith version of that. Get some blues, uh, double guitar on that. Fuck, I think that'd be really cool. Good call, my friend. All right, uh, we got one more piece of business, Scott. Do I it. get to put a song on the dice. And remember I teased, I said, if we're picking one of mine, I'm putting a big hit on. How is this for a big hit? Love in an elevator going on the dice for next week living it up while i'm going down we're going to pump uh i'm so in the mood for uh peak peak aerosmith which is like 87 to 93 for b uh obviously the the mid 70s stuff is fantastic too uh but man these albums are so fantastic loving an elevator one of their biggest hits the number two song on the peace out uh, set list uh, from this past weekend um you know that one i'm sure mr haskin Oh, very well. I remember the video. I remember uh, when it first came out and just the uh, that really took the world by storm, that song. Yep. Fantastic tune. We'll be on the dice for next show. But until then, on behalf of Scott Haskin, my name is Corey Morissette. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's give the final word to Stephen Tyler. Sorry.